Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 400 of The Sausage Factory. 400. We all knew it was going to arrive as the 300s were getting longer and longer. 400 is going to happen. It's going to be here. It was going to happen. And it's happening. Right now. For nine years now. I've been releasing an episode of The Sausage Factory every week as best I can. There's been some hiccups over the years, but over the last two or three years, thanks to Kane and Rince and all their support, I can't thank them enough, and I'll be thanking them again after this little introduction. But it's been quite a journey. I mean, nine years. A lot of things have changed. A lot has changed. This podcast moved outlets from Spong over to Kane and Rince for a start. So there's been generations of consoles released during the lifetime of this podcast. And the amount of people I've met, phenomenal, amazing, really interesting people I've met across the video game development community. The mind boggles. I can... I can say thank you a thousand times, but it's not going to be enough. Thank you to all the the listeners, all the guests, all the support. Without any of you, I wouldn't be doing this. Without the guests, I wouldn't be doing this. would be me monologuing. Oh, what's that? Trust me. 
So what's this episode about then? What special amazing game have I chosen for episode 400? Well, it isn't one. That's, that's right. I was approached or suggested by a friend of mine, a friend of mine I've known for a very, very, very long time. In fact, he and I worked it out. I've known him for, I think, 45 years, give or take. And his name's Mark Ellis. And he said, Chris, I'd like to interview you about you and the podcast that you make that is The Sausage Factory. You've been interviewing all these people for so many years. No one's asked you about what do you do and why you do this and how you make the podcast and why you make it. I thought it was a bit of a strange initially. I thought it was a bit odd, a bit egotistical. On reflection, it's not. Not really. It's all like... Here's me babbling on about looking underneath the the bonnet stroke hood of of a car, but you know, not an actual car, of course. But you know what I mean. And just to say, well, what makes the sausage factory work? How does that work? What do you do? How do you get the guests on? How do you select them? What these questions are asked and they are answered to a point. At least I try to. So this episode of the sausage factory is. On the sausage factory itself, which is extremely meta, and I admit that. And we we made this show fully aware that it is extremely self-referential. But I'm kind of I think I deserve it. I I think I deserve it. I think the sausage factory deserves a little bit of self-reflection after 400 episodes. There are very few podcasts out there that can boast that number. Very few, and I am one of them. Well, I am. There we go. This is one of them. I'm merely its creator. Without you, the listeners and the guests, there wouldn't be no show, as I've said a dozen times. So I'm going to sign off with this little intro and let Mark take over. Mark from the past. Um, Be nice. Very nice man. And like I said, he's a dear, dear friend of mine. And um, let him take over and sort of introduce me and stuff like you don't know. But... I just want to say again, thank you for listeners, for guests, for Kane and Rince, for affording me this chance and giving me this platform uh, to talk to you about the science and art of video game creation. So, without further ado, let's listen to me and Mark from the relatively recent past talking about the Sausage Factory and how it was made or is made. I'll just let Mark carry on. Back in late November of 2013, before the iPhone 6 and the Ice Bucket Challenge, and around the time that the PS4 and the Xbox One were just entering the market, there was a small podcast that started called The Sausage Factory. Yeah, um, very small, which, tiny. As, you may have, as, <laughs> as future Chris may have explained uh, to your listeners, I'm an, a long-time friend of yours, and I'm a big fan of the show, and this is going to be slightly meta um, to celebrate your, your 400th show. Whenever we sit down, um, just socially, I'm always asking 100 and, 101 questions about, well, why do you do that? Why do you, how does that happen? Um, and so it just seemed very appropriate to effectively turn the sausage factory on itself and say, let's have a look at you as a person and the sausage factory as how it's put together and all of the things that I find fascinating that I would hope that your listeners will also find fascinating for exactly the same reasons. One of the things that I like is the two-part format. 
it's worked strongly for you for um, getting on for nine years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I want to honour that. Um, so for today's episode, we are going to have a first half, which is going to be Chris. Right. And a second half, which is going to be then peeling off the layers uh, and having a look at the um, meat, pun intended, inside the sausage factory. Right. That's a sausage factory on the sausage factory. I don't know how Jay is going to do the imagery for this. Good luck to you, my friend. But uh, you might have to do like one of those kaleidoscopes, like infinite images or something, <laughs> going back. Kind of recursive. I mean, uh... you're, you're a recursive image, so uh, good luck with, you, with that. So the first half is always about the developer themselves and their history, which you always love. Well, it comes across for me that you love to challenge them um there's the famous uh, or infamous third difficult third question um, yeah. I, I don't want to let you off the hook um going back over some of your shows there's a brilliant quote which i love which is one of your developers describes the first half of your podcast as a mental verbal assault course and you've you've done this for i would guess getting on for 500 guests now so on behalf of all of those that you've put through the ringers over here, <laughs> I'm going to turn the table. Right. Scared now. Go on. Good. This is, <laughs> this is exactly what you do to your um, uh, wonderful guests. Question number one, I am going to use your five questions. Okay. Question number one, who are you and what do you do? Oh. So, um, who are you with the podcast and what so do you do? So I am the editor and host and producer of the Sausage Factory podcast which is an interview, the developer interview-based show where I ask questions of game developers about them and their creations. And that's where I sit with regards to the Sausage Factory. Um, I have other hats within Cana Rinse. I am also a host, one of the 17 or something like that. Someone someone described Kane and Rince as the so solid crew of podcasts. <laughs> I'm not sure. A, it's aging people, and B, I'm not sure how to take that. Really. I, I think that's a fantastic. I've never heard that, but I think that is fantastic. <laughs> but um, we actually recorded one last night with two other podcast hosts from different shows. Uh, one goes details, but that was a very um, you know that's the kind of community and culture that uh, Kane has generated but that side that's that's where I am and have been for the past well four years I think because prior to that was with Spong but sadly Spong's no longer with us so we all, everyone had to migrate and move on and I was one of those and I migrated over to Kane and who I'd known for many 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 years and Leon Cox is the one of the founders and is Jay Taylor his co-founder of Kane and Rince. Uh, and Tony Atkins as well and I know all those people and I've known for many years and uh, so that's how I um, that's why I am part of the Caden Rinse thing that's why I am um, it's the podcast anyway excellent uh, I'm going to get back to that we're going to do a section on uh, history of the yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. And, and your history later I, I did the thing of autobiographical like asking the second question before asking the first Abs- absolutely yeah the, 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 <laughs> my, all so of my notes good. and my script are going to be completely out the window by yeah the end of this. yeah yeah you do your best um, now one of the things that I, that I absolutely love is the the fact that the developers that you have on the podcast this is their full time job 
For you, your listeners may be surprised or not to know that actually you have a full-time job that despite your 40 years of gaming experience, which you bring a wealth of experience to the podcast, yeah, um, this isn't your day job. You, you actually have a day job uh, that you do. Um, I do. What's, what's your actual job? Oh. <laughs> I am a structural engineer for buildings. I say that because some people think, oh, we do bridges. No, I really don't. <laughs> I've done one or two bridges, but only foot bridges. Um, no, seriously, I am a structural engineer. I have been for many, many years. Almost as long, uh, not quite as long as making video, well, talking about video games, but almost as. But yes, very, very much a parallel experience. Now, for um, my, my very basic high-level description of a structural engineer yeah. is it lies between the architect and the builder, so the architect comes up with this beautiful thing, and before it goes to the builder, it passes you, who says, that looks really pretty and everything, lovely, good job, but that won't stand up, or you're going to need an extra beam over there, or how about you replace that with something a bit thicker or a bit thinner? Yeah. that is that a, a fair, um, very high level for people that don't know this stuff? Architects will come up with the form and the overall system and the building, how everything works together. And uh, but I applaud them for that because I really couldn't do that. It's not why I'm not trained to do that. But what I am trained to do is make sure that their forms and their concepts and everything comes together. One of the things that makes sure that happens is it's structurally sound. So that's where I come in. And I'm just like any other specialist, really, but just part of the puzzle. So that's your day job. Yeah. Um, as a friend, I think you're quite good at your day job. <laughs> um, I just want to share, before we, we before we get back to what this is all about, which, yeah. is, which is the podcast itself uh, and you within the industry, I do just want to say, um, just uh, just for the listeners, the, the level of Chris being good at his day job outside of all of this, you're, you're used to this now, but what are the three things that I normally tell people when I talk about you and your job? <laughs> There's three things, I think. Uh, well, I, I've, I've got four, but I was going to save one of them. Okay. Um, I told Madonna no. That's quite funny. Yeah, Chris Chris, <laughs> Chris had to say no to Madonna. I did. Um, we won't go into that because I think people can ask you about that at PAX and um, yeah, yeah. EGX so we'll if they want we'll to. Yeah, park that one. <laughs> um, certainly in things involving the royal family... Okay, so uh, <laughs> if in for listeners outside of the UK, if if you do amazing stuff in your job uh, for big projects, um, they'll often open them with a visit from a member of the royal family, and if yeah. it's if it's amazing, that member of the royal family will be the queen. Is that yeah. fair to say? Well, also in that instances, it wasn't. It was yeah, they were amazing, but the projects, but and bespoke and weird, but they're also personal to her. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So she had a one of the projects. She had an, a personal affinity to it because her mother had an affinity to this particular thing. So that's why she went to that one. Uh, and then the so, other one was more about showing investor into things. Of so the long, the long and the short of it is, if you're amazing at your job, occasionally you might get to meet the Queen. Yeah. <laughs> How many times have you met the Queen? Twice. Twice. There you go. <laughs> Um, which I think is just awesome. I don't know anyone else that has met the Queen for their job. Um, we have a national stadium. We do. In, in the UK um, called Wembley. Um, UK listeners will know it well, and actually probably an awful lot of um, international listeners. Yeah. I want yeah. it as well. Um, 
in my head, you were one of the key people that built Wembley. I was certainly one of the designers. <laughs> he hastened to say, there was thousands of people involved in its construction. I don't want to take away their thunder, nor should I. It's amazing that thing, I was actually thinking about it the other day, that I actually started working on it over 21 years ago. Oh, wow. So that's a long time. Still remember things almost, I mean, it's so vivid. Some mm. of it, some of it's not. But I was involved with the design of the foundations to the arch. So the arch is a big sort of prominent component of the of the Wembley Stadium, which is there principally. I don't want to bore you them too much, but <laughs> the reason that's there is because they didn't want any columns coming down from the roof down to the, to, to, to the seats. Why would you? That would be ridiculous. <laughs> so um, there's various, and that's why the arch exists. Anyway, so I designed the foundations of the arch. Also designed the lowest lower parts of the structure as well and also oversaw its construction well in terms of the structure so yeah i did i spent a large chunk of the early 2000s and to the, to the mid noughties and beyond actually actually throughout <laughs> thinking about it yeah from 2001 right through to 2011 i was involved with the construction and design and maintenance and the functioning of that building to the extent where whenever i pass wembley now especially on the train um, this is just for the listeners. I will take a picture of, um, of Wembley as I pass and um, message Chris. Yeah. You built that. Um, I built that, yeah. If, if other listeners, especially in the UK, in and around London, um, ever happen to visit or go near Wembley, I would highly recommend uh, you take a quick picture and then tweet Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. There's, there's, there's some mentions going up there. But, yeah. Um, I, I love the fact. Uh um, the other one is, um, is it true that you've literally written the book on the use of glass in structural yes, engineering? I've, I've actually done that. You're, um, you're effectively the world expert. Is that no, true? I'm not going to put that out there. I was a technical author for a group of, for, for, a tech, for a document. I don't want to play myself down, but I was drawing information and data from other experts, similar to invested interest experts, that all had um, an opinion about what should go into this thing, and uh, it, it was settled in 2013, eventually 2012, 2013, and we actually drafted it and created it. Is it true that this thing is now used effectively as the textbook for... Yeah, it is now that, at the that, moment. That worldwide. Which is a little bit sad, because it was about to be superseded by, finally, by a code of practice, which doesn't exist yet, but it's just about to be published. So when that happens, we'll have to redraft it. But yeah, at the moment, it is genuinely regarded as the de facto, like, oh, we'll just look at that. That's what we do. That's what that book says, which is really jarring for me, because anyway, hang on. I wrote that. People are, people are doing things based on my my made-up stuff that I was just making up as I go along. not true. I wasn't making up as I go along. Um, it was, uh, there were some aspects of that book were, were uh, subject to a very heated debate. I, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm going to draw the, uh, you'll be happy with this, I'm going to draw the, the this is Chris yeah. um, uh, to a close. But I, it was important for me, um, I think it's always fascinating to get to know other parts of people, other halves of people that you wouldn't necessarily uh, have known about. And for the best part of getting on for nine years, um, your breadth of knowledge in the the games industry um, and what you've been able to bring with regards to the podcast is just, in my head, half of your life. Um, (laughs) And so uh, (laughs) uh, there is actually a day job on the side of which um, I think you're absolutely awesome and a, a... role model to be held up so i i just wanted to share that with your okay with your listenership um you can breathe now oh good that, that bit's out the way question number two 
How did you make your start in podcasting? Oh, right, okay. So, many eons ago, in the before-before times, this was, there was a, a radio show on Real Audio. Remember, if, you, if you're from, if you're really old like me and you have grey hairs in your temple, you might remember <laughs> in before when the internet was very, very young, in the um, mid-90s, and there wasn't anything of the things that we take for granted now, but the only way to actually listen to streaming audio was something called Real Audio, which I, I suspect still exists in some form, but it was pretty terrible. But it did allow you to have access to audio broadcasts that were unusual, that were different, that were not the mainstream, the thing that was fed to you from broadcast media, which none of us really listen to anymore. That's not true, but, uh, but most of us, you know, people have diverted and that kind of thing. So... And I encountered this radio show called All Games Radio, and uh, it was out of North America. And um, from that, I um, gravitated towards this community, some of whom I still talk to after all these years. And we um, just sort of orbited around this this station that became a bit of a media thing in the early 2000s. So... More than that, I got so involved with the community there that I actually became this like British correspondent for them because they didn't know what was going on over in Europe because back then it was still quite insular. Absolutely, yeah. Um, they didn't quite know what was going on, so I actually become that because I just could, because I can talk. didn't really understand that I could, but I, people said, no, because you can communicate, so I can. So I became this thing, and I did this sort of correspondence thing, and then to the point where actually I think the pinnacle of it was in 2000, we actually went to E3, which is the big expo back in the day. It still exists, kind of-ish. And uh, But that, that I went there for the first time to Los Angeles for the first time. North America for the first time, I think. And it was all very intimidating, very, very scary looking back on it. I had no idea what I was doing. But uh, it was a fascinating time. And I saw the PlayStation 2 launched, and that was amazing. And I still thought when people talk to about a PlayStation 2 and like, oh, I remember I was doing this. And I was like, yeah, no. I was there. I was there. <laughs> but no, it's a special time. I still remember it and some of those very vivid memories. So that's where it come from. But this is all before podcasts. So I was doing that before podcasts exist. And then it was in 2004 when the words pod, pod and cast came to be mm-hmm. because all of a sudden Apple created this device where you could listen to MP3s. Then we realised that we didn't need to broadcast anymore. We could actually have people carrying us around offline. That was the beauty of it. And like, oh, great. So you don't have to be in the internet, which back then was still flaky as hell. Uh, so we've that, so that's where how podcasts... And so I've been doing podcasts of a form in some way since 2004. The other thing that I'd written down along with that is uh, the Super Happy Fun Time Show. Yeah. Was that the one that was on... That started on All Games Radio, then became part of its own thing. Uh, we, it started prior to that. It was like Hendrix and I, a chap called Hendrix, Patrick, Patrick Tai, uh, Hendrix and I, we uh, we would um, record like review we review video games badly, very badly, and then we it, it morphed into the Super Happy Fun Time Show, basically a general variety show, which lived. Quite a while, um, but eventually petered out in the mid 2011. It didn't really. It lost its its steam, uh, as many podcasts do, and uh, we just like people lost interest. People moved on, yep. and that's fine. Uh, and uh, but yeah, there's, there's like mixed feelings about my my memories of the Super Happy Fun Time show, and I didn't really read the room a lot. 
Yeah. And I felt on reflection that I wasn't listening or I wasn't really participating in the same um, dialogue as the rest of the hosts were. I didn't really understand at the time, but you listen back and it's just like, I'm definitely looking from the outside in. Yeah. And um, it was, it should, I should have stopped sooner, but um, I was just enjoying myself at the time. Well, I, I think those, those are the two things, aren't they? It's the, if you're enjoying yourself doing something, then yeah. that's good in the first place. Yeah. And actually, I think one of the reasons, arguably, that you're great at what you do at the moment with regards to the podcast is that you've got those experiences. Yeah. And whether you realised you were learning at the time or not, all of those experiences... Um, help further down the line and it'll be the same as um well be the same as um games developers you hear a lot of them on your show saying i started with this thing yeah and it was it was was all a bit rubbish now if i look back i'm a bit embarrassed about what i did but it made me the person that um that i am now and that it drew me to um drew me into the industry that i'm now in yeah i Um, think to be fair though that show was the kernel of the sausage factory, believe it or not. Well, that's I'm going to get but to that in the second half, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. So uh, we'll, we'll, that, we'll, that was part of the reason I'd written it down. Cause, yeah, uh, a little dangle of a carrot there for everyone. Carry on listening. In, in, <laughs> in my head, it feels like a key part of your development. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah something happened. To, yeah, go on. To where we are now. Oh, I've been looking forward to this one. Oh, God. The dreaded third question. Oh, no. Can't <laughs> um, you, do this. you always call it the dreaded third question. I always think it's great. Yeah. Um, now, this, this is slightly meta. So regular listeners will know that the question is, what do you believe as a creator, a creative person? What are your biggest influences? Now, for you, rather than from a gaming point of view, I guess it's the, what are your biggest influences as a podcast creator? Do you listen to other podcasts? Yes, 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 absolutely. I've been a long-time listener and now contributor, which I still can't fathom, <laughs> of Gamers With Jobs. I have loved those folks. And they keep trucking despite 19 years of doing this. <laughs> 19! Um, and I've got to celebrate them for that. So I probably subconsciously adopted the cadence and interaction and respect for the medium that is video games and treat them as as, as a medium yeah there is an unusual sounds so pretentious when you describe it and here's me apologizing it i shouldn't no. but we still have to unfortunately do you still have to or do you think you still have to i think i still have to okay yeah um so that's the first thing and then you had um oh god gfw radio which sadly no longer exists and gone 10 years now but jeff green um, uh, one of the greatest broadcasters, even though uh, accidental apologists for like, I'm really rubbish at this. That, one of those chaps who really understates himself <laughs> and just constantly beats himself over the face despite his brilliance. Um, and they're the ones that I probably reach to more than anything as regards to influences. The question that you always describe where you try not to offend anyone, uh-huh. <laughs> um, I always presume, I, I like it because it's a very actually a very positive question. Yeah. Um, but I understand the you try not to offend anyone through omission, okay. I think is the implied uh, thing. Um, which games developer do you most admire in the industry and why? Yeah, that's a really hard question to say. I've been trying to reword it over the years, but it doesn't work because every time I reword it, it undilutes. And I am totally delaying the answer. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I mean, 
I think the one that I really admire the most, and it keeps on, we're going to talk about them later um, because of their altruism. Yeah. And I encountered them by accident through another contact that I had known for many years. Um, Inkle. I've always got a lot of time for Inkle. Um, they make a tool called Ink, uh, which is a language narrative development tool for developers, other than game developers, and they share it, you know, not freely, but they do expand on it and support it, and they help their fellow developers create something which is really undervalued. The art of narration, the art yeah. of language and interaction and basing it on what are these people realistically going to do or are they going to turn on a sixpence? If they do the latter, there must be some motive behind it, otherwise the narration breaks down. Absolutely. I mean, you speak speak in your podcast to your developers a lot about story. I do. And a lot about character development and things. So is is it really coming from that, that key place of this is important in a game, you need to... You need to get that right. Well, in context, of that, not every game like you're going to get a puzzle game, an abstract puzzle game. Oh, for sure, for sure, it doesn't apply. <laughs> but um, no, I think I'm just fascinated by language and how important it is to stress. And every pause, even the silence, is probably just as important as what's been uttered. Yeah. Even the pauses during this conversation are probably just as important. Um, and I just find that fascinating that someone's actually sat down and tried to model this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then share that model. Which, as you, as you say, <laughs> altruistic. Yeah. It, it feels as though someone... They could have is... kept it to themselves. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, they, to, to their credit, they do make lots of games anchored around this concept. And, you know, I just stumbled upon them because they made the video game version of Sorcery, one of my favourite um, uh, fighting fantasy games from Steve Jackson. And they just... I thought, oh, great, they've made this. I thought they could never make this game because it's, it's ridiculously complicated. But no, they managed to pull off something that I thought would be impossible. And and from using using Inkle, and I just I think they're remarkable people. And every time I've had them on, and they've been on many times, um, it's been an absolute joy. Not that I'm saying every other guest has been an absolute joy. They all have. <laughs> this, very quickly. This this is the whole thing for me. It's the trying not to offend anyone through omission. There you go. <laughs> so it's the yeah, yeah. just because I'm yeah. saying these people, so it doesn't, people, doesn't mean yeah, that doesn't everyone mean else that isn't. My, my last guest wasn't great or no. something like that. Or uh, my future guest, which is probably, yeah. So, you know. Absolutely. You normally finish with one on question five. I'm going to finish with a few just because the nature of this yeah. uh, isn't you're a developer. Uh, what games, both video and tabletop, are you playing right now? There's an old friend of mine, I haven't spent two years, but he used to differentiate board games and video games. There's one's this games, the other one's flashy, lighty video games. Cause he was <laughs> so that's where that phrase comes from, by the way, if you heard me say it often on the show. <laughs> um, so um, I'm playing Elden Ring at the moment uh, on the PlayStation 5, um, which is an extraordinary experience that many other people at the time of recording this show are playing right now it's just um it does things that most mediums can't do yeah and it allows you to make your own story which sounds like the holy grail Mm -hmm. for most interactive mediums but elder ring actually pulls it off oh wow by really saying little 
it just offers you this stuff and says, off you pop. <laughs> uh, well, can you tell me where to go? Oh, no. Well, maybe we'll hint a little bit while these vague sort of references. But ultimately, you're going to have to figure this out yourself. And everyone has their own stories. Everyone has their own way of getting through this thing. And it's extraordinary to have that everyone's story is totally different. Totally different. And there is a beginning, middle and end. And there is a defined end. There is a defined beginning. There's not a defined middle. It's very... So the the route is yours. The route is utterly yours. Utterly yours. And you're not led by the nose. That's that's, that's the beautiful thing about it. You're not led by the nose. Whereas I've played many open world adventure games. I'm looking at you, Assassin's Creed. And... (laughs) You are completely. They yeah. they they bolt the the big nose ring onto your character. It's yeah. not there. You can't yeah. see it, but they are dragging you along. They give you an illusion of choice, but ultimately, you there is a an optimum path. I still regret mainlining Skyrim because I did exactly that yeah. because that's what Skyrim did. You've mentioned that before. Yes, this is well ingrained. Yeah, I fully appreciate that. You know, there's, I'm saying it deliberately now because. Yeah, there you go. So that's why Elden Ring is awesome. The other game that I'm playing at the moment, the beauty about board games is, unlike video games, they stick around for a long time. <laughs> so yesterday afternoon, no, yesterday morning, a friend of mine contacted me, Chris, we haven't played New Angeles in an age, about two years since we played that. And it's a negotiation game. You are all board members looking after New Angeles, which is a vast megalopolis that co- covers most of Western Coast of North America and a bit of the South America as well. It's huge, but it's in the far future. And uh, you are managing the city, but you want to manage it in such a way that you exploit the the growth and the economic growth of this city without too much attention from the central government. Mm. So that's the game, that's New Angeles. A beautiful game, massive board, lots of cards and stuff. No dice, the randomization element is the crises that crop up. Nice. And um, it's not for everyone, but yeah, New Angeles is a game. And then there's Star Trek Ascension, which is a big sort of sprawling, what they call a 4X game, which listeners know what that means and it's a board game fully board game it's Star Trek and I played the Klingons and I committed genocide I'm sorry but I was just playing to roll <laughs> but anyway there you go there's, there's my answer to that question to finish us up on the first half of This Is Chris before we get on to actually starting to unpack the sausage factory itself yeah what is it that you inherently enjoy about games and gaming and then talking about that in terms of what is it you enjoy about your job as a podcaster? So, it's really experiencing worlds that others have made. I'm really going to be honest with you. And I've said it many times on the show. I'm an explorer. I like to see what others have made. This is, you know, again, another little quip that I come up with. My literary regret is reading all of the Dune books. Couldn't have done that. I've sat and read through all of those and many other books as well, purely on the basis that I like the universes they were talking about. Absolutely. And I wanted to know more about them and the people who inhabited them. Um, And that's really why I think that's the one thing that drives me on is to, to, to experience that. And also... The other adjunct to that, not adjunct, sort of like, that's a bad way of putting it, but like a symptom or a bonus or a, is that not only do you then 
experience these worlds, but you have to overcome hurdles yeah. and challenges and fix things and do puzzles and overcome puzzles and think you're the smartest thing in the world <laughs> and realising that there's at least 20 other thousand people who've done exactly the same thing you've just done, but you they're not there. You're there with the screen or whatever. You've figured it out and go, I'm a genius. I'm the best thing ever. I still remember figuring out the red herring puzzle in The Secret of Monkey Island. It, it, it actually is a red herring. So, you know, that's that, it just all of those things. And then the joys of podcasting. I remember Dave Turner from the Computer Game Show. Yeah, he's getting a call out. There you go, sir. You're welcome. Um, he said that, you know, if you're podcasting, you definitely have an ego. For I sure. could do not. <laughs> Anyone who goes popping and goes, I don't have some ego. The mere, the mere, you, you saying that, just like, <laughs> and I freely admit that I have a personality and I have an ego, and that helps. It's an outlet to that. Yeah. Um, that, and I'm fully self aware, knowing that I can communicate quite well. Absolutely. I, I think you often undersell yourself. Well, that's part of your nature. But, that's my nature. Um, I, I, I think you're an excellent it, communicator. Even saying that, I get a crook in my throat. <laughs> I can't say I that can't with say a straight it. face. I'm going <laughs> to say it for you because I know that you can't. <laughs> no, even despite all evidence to the contrary, I still think oh, I'm just a bit of an idiot. And um, with regards to communications, not true. I thought, well, why don't I then reach out and talk to those um people who make the stuff that we love so much and ask them how did they do it that is a fantastic place to end um this <laughs> this is the professional that is chris uh, teeing up the second half wrapping up the first half nicely for me thank you very much you're welcome um <laughs> that there's that, an ego there there you go <laughs> that, <laughs> we spend an hour talking to chris and all it comes down to is ego yeah um that's that's us getting to know chris thank you so much for for the first half in the second half we are now going to start unpacking um the sausage factory itself Mm. its history its processes how it's put together um and also lifting the lid on some of the techniques that you probably use again exactly like we've had the developers telling us things that are happening in the background that we're completely unaware of um this is my opportunity to geek out and prod you and find out all of those really cool things that you do that we just don't even realize that you do for every single episode uh so thank you for the first half and we'll see you again in a minute for the second
That's the first half. Yeah. You made it. Right back of my face. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I did make it. How's how's it feel? I don't know. Cathartic? Yeah. Do I owe you money for therapy? (laughs) Um, Now, the second half, where we're going to delve into the sausage factory itself. Yeah. Before we get on to things like process and technique, I actually want to start with history. Okay. um, Which you don't necessarily normally do for um, your interviews. Um, the concept and the birth. Um, you've mentioned on your show before uh, that the concept was created, if I'm right in saying so, um, at, in 2013 at a pub uh, at EGX. Yeah. Um, can you tell us about that? Whose idea was it? How did all that come about? It was a friend, a fellow podcaster at the time, and he's. I'd taken. I'd left the Super Happy Fun Time show, and there was a feeling of. What what do we do? Uh, what you know? I, I, I move on. I don't want to do that anymore. Kind of thing. Abandonment of the whole medium and just be a regular person and stop <laughs> talking about video games to others. And he said, "Well, you you can't, you can't, or oh, Chris, you can't <laughs> stop. You can't. You've got to give us. You've got to get behind. You've got to give us something. But mm-hmm. no, so I don't know you anything. Because no, I'm not having this. You can't. <laughs> you can't not. It says." Um, what about the thing you did with Runic Games? Now, sadly, Runic Games no longer exist, but they made a game called Torchlight, and they made a sequel called Torchlight 2, and I saw it at PAX West, and I did an interview with them within the within Happy Fun Time show as a special feature. Uh, as a specific thing. And because we thought that'd be fun, and it went very well. Very well and from their point of view, your both. point of view. My, I've, I really enjoyed it. They really enjoyed it. And the other host of Super Happy Fun Time went, that was quite good. <laughs> that was really, that was really well, interesting. That was really well put together. I went, yeah. well, I guess. <laughs> Looking back at it, it's like, well, yes, it was, <laughs> even though it's my own bionic. And then they said, well, just carry on doing that. Just do that on your own. Yeah. Just make, you know, just a, you and a guest or developer just sit there and talk about how they made their game. That's a good idea. <laughs> and it was in the pub just during EGX 2013. So it sounded like a good idea because you're in the pub. It sounded like a good idea in the pub, <laughs> which is not, you know, a lot of ideas that germinate themselves in a pub stay in the pub. Mm-hmm. And then that's how it started. So I I did that. I reached out to developers I'd met over the years at various events and said, do you want to come on the show to talk about the thing we chatted about during the PAX so EGX or so whatever show I was at? Sounds like a good idea. It's very... I've got very little resistance. Yeah. Very little. I have had some, don't get me wrong, but I get very little resistance. Most of the time, people are willing to sit behind a mic and talk. Well, presumably, all of the people that you that you interview and you have on the show, it's their passion. It's their... Especially if you've created something, it's their baby, and you're giving people a microphone to be able to talk about something that they love. Yeah. So in in general, is it is it an idea that looking back now, especially almost nine years later, it seems really obvious? No, it wasn't. Um, the the inspiration I got from was something called the Actors Studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you have uh, someone asking an actor about their craft. Yeah. That had a, an artist. Being asked about objectively about their work, yeah, 
objectively, not about the the, the things the, the things that don't matter. Yeah, yeah. In my opinion, that's that's surface level. That's you know, that's fine. But I want to know why and the the motives and mm. where they how they got from A to B via F. Yeah. You know what? Why? That's why I wanted to. That didn't exist at the time. Yeah. At the time, does now. Yep. I'm one of many. Yeah, yeah. Now do this. That's where that came from. Is just um, wanting to know, um, and uh, the the that's why it's called the Sausage Factory. I mean, that's, that's what I love about the show. I love the the hearing about people's decisions and processes, because it can be entirely different from developer to developer, and that's a really rich. A rich vein that you tap into every single week. Um, yeah, uh, I which love I love. Think so. um, <laughs> who came up with the name? <laughs> oh, that was me. Um, no, that's not true. That's not true. Well, I went to a talk at BAFTA, and there was a developer there. There used to be this industry talks that we just they'd invite people, and somehow I managed to get onto the onto the BAFTA list. To, to <laughs> don't know. Uh, and I was there. It's because you met the Queen. That's why they like. Yeah, my Queen. <laughs> and uh, I got onto this list, a mailing list, and I managed to do. And there was this talk with David Braben and another developer who's been on the show, and they were just talking about the concept of the sausage factory. They made yeah. mention to it. I've never heard this term. It's mm. Not in my day job industry. It's not ever mentioned at no. all. Um, but it it's basically. As far as I understand it, and there's many different interpretations of it, um, sadly, some people think it's a sexual one. It isn't. Um, it's actually about the act of making sausages. And the if you... I mean, I joke that no one really wants to know how sausages are made. Because if you did, you'd never eat one. Exactly. You'd actually saw the act of sausage creation like, yeah, not for me ever again. Uh, and really, it's about video games in a similar way. No one wants to know how video games are made. They just like to eat the sausage. Uh, but I'm thinking, actually, you know what? I think we get more out of it if you do know how they're made. Abs- ag- agreed. agreed. And that's what the, the, the premise of the show is. To, and the only way we're going to do that is to crack that nut is to basically, the way this show's been designed from the ground up is to lead the the, the guest into a sense of um, safety and security. They feel they can talk about these things openly. And I do that by, that's how the show's been designed. That's why I talk about them first, because humans, as sentient beings, have egos. Yes. <laughs> so if you, if you give that ego breath and, uh, you know, t- time to... to present itself from the outset, they will be more willing to talk about other things they might not be willing, normally willing to talk about. Absolutely. I mean, you've, you've had it on the show before where people will often say, as part of a bit of game development, I've not actually mentioned this on anything before. We did this because. Yes. Uh, and that, that I mean, it's, it's not every episode, but it happens enough yeah. that, that they are obviously at ease. Well, I'm going to get to technique later, actually. Yeah. Um, but they are obviously, you put them at ease really well. Mm. Um, that they they feel as though I mean there's there's an element as well of shared camaraderie of your breadth of experience and knowledge within the industry 
that even in the first half of the show, when you were chatting about, they're saying, oh, and I, I played this game when yeah. I was so-and-so, and, so, and yeah. you'll, you'll chip in and go, oh, yeah, I loved that, and it was really like so-and-so, and it was yes. like so-and-so. Yes. And they really feel as though they're talking to a kindred spirit, yeah. which means that by the time they get to the second half of the show, um, they, they're just wanting to chat to you. They're yeah. just wanting, wanting to tell you they stuff. They wanted to know more. Um, with regards to the name... I don't know whether you've ever run run up against this. It is slightly suggestive, <laughs> if taken in isolation. So you're in the industry and people will know and may have heard of The Sausage Factory. I often say, I've got a friend who does this podcast called The Sausage Factory. <laughs> I then have to spend five minutes explaining... While they're, while they're snickering. Why they're, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. It's a, it's a phrase that I didn't invent. Oh, for sure. I, it's, um, it's, a, it's a brilliant... I'd, I'd heard the phrase before, but yeah. as a podcast name, um, I wonder how many accidental listeners you've picked up over the years... Possibly. ...who, who, who, are, who are somewhat disappointed, disappointed when they find when it... Disappointed when they find it's not about what they thought it was going to be about. Yeah. Um, I mean, in my defence, I do open up by explaining what it is from the outset. But, Ab- uh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I think it is the best descriptor of the show, mm. but unfortunately has... Um, I can't help people's minds. Other conversations. Long time associations. You've already spoken to this slightly. Um, the first 200 episodes, I mean, this is really pertinent because we're on 400 episodes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The first half of the show's history was run through Spong.com. It was, yeah. And then since then, it's been part of the Kane and Rince Collective yeah. that you spoke to earlier. Yeah. Um, can you talk around the history of the show being being part of those two entities, uh, what it was like, uh, why it moved. And then the follow-on from that is the, do you ever look ahead and think, where might this be going in the next 10, 20, 200 shows? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Tim Smith, uh, lovely man. A lot of time for him. Very good friend. Brilliant author as well. Great writer. He was the managing director and author and, and owner of Spong, and I approached him about because we were doing the Super Happy Fun Time show from there, which is amazing. Uh, he, he gathered us up and put us into this sort of lovely, lovely place that Spong and hosted that show, which is amazing. And then um, I we did we I wrote for him as well, wrote for this. So and I said to, I, I, you know soon after that meeting in, in November, I pitched the idea to him. Said, yeah, we'll do this. He loved it. He was so supportive. He said, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> he didn't say that, but he was really... One of the things that it still it chokes me up when I hear this, because he, he's left the video game industry, no longer part of that. He's, he, he moved on and did, you know, opened a bakery and all sorts of things. Uh, and uh, he said to... He said uh, one of the things that he's most proud of uh, at his time at Spong was creation of the Sausage Factory and commissioning that. So that, was, that meant a lot. Awesome. Um, was it an idea whose time had come, in the sense that it does feel as though there was a place for it, it was the right thing at the right time, and everyone was wanting to yes, wanting to listen to this kind of thing? Five years hence, prior, I say a lot on the show and apologise, but I'm not. 2007 was a major year for video game history. Yeah, yeah. Two things happened. Uh, the iPhone arrived. Uh, along with its app store, which eventually caved and hosted games, not initially. <clears throat> and then the other thing was um, Xbox Live Arcade. Yeah. 
and all of a sudden the barriers of entry to making video games and publishing video games making was still you know yeah, yeah. but publishing them that suddenly fell yeah well not fell but it you know wasn't as bad as it used to be yeah, yeah. the route to market was easier for much easier yeah, yeah so all of a sudden all these new developers popped out they didn't know what they're doing just didn't know so I thought, well, why don't I ask the ones who are doing it how they're doing it? Yeah. And by virtue of the fact by doing that, I'm helping others do yeah, that. Absolutely. So it's an act of altruism as well as curiosity. Yeah. But really the driver was altruism. What was the other part of the question? Uh, we were talking about Spong. So you were saying you, oh, were, re- yeah, you were really, really, so, really proud. So that's where it came from. Um, and um, So it was hosted on Spong. Hosted on Spong. And uh, then, sadly, Spong... Changed hands and became no longer became a, uh, a going concern. Yeah. So you're looking for a new home. I looked for a new home. Um, Realised that 200 was approaching, and we went okay. I then reached out to Leon and said, "Could I move over to Cane and Rinse?" And went, "Well, yes, because <laughs> that aligns with uh, what Cane and Rinse does." Well, they did exactly. I mean, it does feel like a perfect. Perfect place within their, within within their, their... Yeah, because I speak in the same way as they do. They yeah. treat the medium in the same way as they as as Cain and Rince does. And therefore respect it and say, okay, well, yeah, it, it fits. The whole thing fits. Yeah. Um, so that's how that happened. And the transition was relatively smooth. We managed to get all the archives up, I think, for the most part. And uh, we transitioned across. And some editorial changes occurred at that time as well. Within um, Cane and Rinse? No, within, within the show. So oh, okay. There were directions that changed to mark the 200th episode. Oh, see, okay, yeah. Was this from your point of view, or was this in It was con- a collective agreement that yeah. we should change some aspects of how the show was delivered, yeah. presented. Minor tweaks that people don't really realise, but yeah. there have been instigations and changes that made the show better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the biggest changes was... I would do a record introduction after recording the interview rather than just before it. Yeah. Um, and then also, um, I think that's the biggest change, and also changing the name from the show from the developer back to the name of the game because people people were drawn to the game itself yeah. Yeah, rather yeah. than the developer. That's something that Jay insisted on. Yeah. It was a good idea. He made his point that people are really drawn to the game title rather than the actual yeah. guest. If anything, the game title is your way into the guest. Into the guest, yes. yes absolutely. I, originally, Tim and I, Tim Smith, had a different view that we should raise the developer up. Yeah. So that's fine, but they don't know what that... There's no context. Yeah, that. Ex- exactly. So that's how, that's how yeah. we've changed it around. It's almost a branding issue, isn't it? Yeah. So the, the individual doesn't have the brand. The game has the brand. And you need to bring people in that way. But other than that, everything else stays the same. Even the first five questions have stayed the same since the pretty much the inception. I'm, I'm getting back to that later. Yeah, I love that. That's how that happened. But yeah, um, and, and then ever since then, we've been just trucking along, the 200 and then 300, and here we are. Do you um, look ahead at all, or do you just take it one episode at a time? Well, no. Um, so this might be sort of one of the questions you got later on. But we can do it now. This can... Yeah. Um, I have a backlog of about six, seven weeks of shows recorded already. Yeah. So I'm never hand to mouth, really. I used to be at some points, but I've got over that now. I always have this like large backlog, mainly because, you know, because of the, the times we live in now, because everyone's working from home. 
Um, that helped a lot with getting developers behind the mic because they had no other way of communicating with the outside world. Of course, yeah. It got to the point really badly in 2020 where actually I had about I had 12 <laughs> shows in the bag and it got really bad and like guests were coming on and like when's this show going out and I go oh, three four months from now 20, 2027 and it was a bit embarrassing and PR weren't happy with me and they said I'm sorry yeah. we can't get you on the show anymore so yeah. we actually did a bit of a bonus last year that towards the end we actually did two shows a week yep. because I just had to get rid of this yep. backlog I yep. had to so I did and uh, so we try to keep it about a month in advance before it gets a bit awkward so but yeah so that's the and there's the guys of the future I honestly don't know whether I, when I will stop. And I mean when, because there will be a point where I suspect I will. But at the moment, I don't see that happening yet. But there is a milestone endpoint. I know it will be is the day I make a game to completion. I suspect I'll be spending too much time on that. Yes, absolutely. And I think it will be a perfect sort of like circle. Yeah. But I'm not there yet yeah um despite me having free consultancy for the past <laughs> nine years with with, with uh, established video game developers after all this time you think well chris you've had a lot of consultancy yeah. now i think you have an idea but no the, the art of game design cannot be gleaned from uh one hour interviews uh, it can't um really aspects of it but the true art and understanding of it that's 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 something else mike bithell He's a very well-known developer. He made Thomas Was Alone. This is really one of my favourite video games of some time. Brilliant game. Although the character Chris in it is a real jerk, and I challenge him about that. <laughs> not based on anyone, no. None of this is based on two people. Chris is a jerk. I know he is. But Mike sort of challenged me and said, "What? Why? Why? Why haven't you?" Yeah, absolutely. Why? It's, it's the obvious. It's the obvious question for yeah. someone who's so passionate about yeah. and has so much knowledge and drive within what's important within games. Quite right, and he basically said he's not as if you're not lack the intellect, Chris. Absolutely, that's what he kept on throwing back in my face. <laughs> and uh, every time I meet him, he just looks at me. Have you done it yet? <laughs> Why are you still? Well, don't don't get it. I'm, 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 I know that you're the expert host here, uh, and. Can I just um, point out that uh, face gestures and hand gestures don't translate to... They don't, no. <laughs> but I do say, I don't get it, I don't get it. And there's yeah. the pause. But yes, just to be able to listening, typically I record this show audio only with the other guest being remote. Yeah. So therefore I don't do hand gestures good, and stuff like point. that. Yeah, yeah. But this is rare that I'm actually doing yeah. a face-to-face interview with this podcast because it's the 400th, everyone. Absolutely. Um, from the looking back over the podcast, yeah, which three episodes are oh, you yeah. most proud of? This is the notes. This is the notes. This is where this, notes. Uh, just for the listeners. This is about the only um, homework that I gave Chris to do before the uh, so the podcast itself. I did warn you that I was going to talk about Inkle again. Yep, but they're in the second episode. They believed in me and went. I don't know who this numpty is. I mean, he's got one episode underneath his belt. Maybe he knows what he's talking about. He seems to know something about sorcery and and the game we've made. So let's just have a little chat. And I met with them at PAX East. I remember sitting in the little seat at the top of one of the escalators at the BSEC, the Boston 
um, center for uh, Expo Center. It's a huge building, and sitting there chatting to John Ingold and um, talking about the, and they were just fantastic guests, and they've been so that's one of the most proudest because that's when I figured it out. Yeah, I'm going to carry on doing this. Yeah. So this is episode two. Yeah. It's, it's up there. But you need you need something like that early on to make you believe in what you're doing, I guess. Yeah. So in chronological order, though. Yeah. The next one. I know this is shocking to you. Is that episode I've, three? I've got 400 <laughs> episodes to choose from. And the ones that immediately sprung to mind is the one is um, 200. Yeah. That's why I interviewed um, Stoic Studios about the Banner Saga. And that's an extraordinary tactical RPG about some mythical Norse people. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful game. Beautifully created and rendered and everything. It's just wonderfully put together. I love saying that. And (laughs) and I, I really fought hard to get that interview. So that was one where you wanted the interview. And I wanted it to be 200. I wanted to make sure it was them. Yeah. Because that game felt special. felt special. Yeah. Then the next one, and I don't want to disparage the last 200 episodes because it does imply that what I'm about to say (laughs) does, but I'm not. They all are... A joy to record, otherwise I wouldn't do them. It's it's the the same as your um, yeah, yeah your your question is it question four the um, dam, damning by omission yeah they're, they're all good they're all great. however <laughs> however these are the ones that immediately spring to mind yeah. as why I'm most proud. This is why your guests always struggle with the uh, yeah yeah because yeah. <laughs> they know that they're, they're I'm, omitting I'm not, people exactly. It's uh, voxel agents, uh, the gardens in between. They made a game called the gardens in between. It's a beautiful game. It tells a wonderful story of friendship between two people and it dissolving. It's just... It, it, it really spoke to me. And the, the, the things I spoke to them about were quite personal, but without revealing much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they made something that was really... really demonstrated again the medium was what it capable of. Yeah. And that's that. That means a lot. Yeah. So for so me, was it was that predominantly because the game spoke to you, or was it because the game spoke to you, and then your interaction with them because it had spoken to you felt richer? No, none of those things. It was really about managing to understand how they did it. Right. Because it's it was that they did all those things. How on earth did they how do did that? They? Yeah. When such a strange little model with this big cylinders. It's a cylinder. The game is a series <laughs> of cylinders. That's all it is. Uh, but they, they made something beautiful out of a series of cylinders. <laughs> you know? And uh, that's that's why I'm so proud of it, because I managed to do it. I managed to... At that point, I reached a point in the, the show where I could craft a, an environment between us yeah. that I could get that information out of them. How did they do that? Oh, right. And... Yeah, I look forward to whatever the next they're making. I don't know what it is, but video games is hard, and that's some time ago. But whatever they're doing now, it's just awesome. But no, it's um, that they're the three that really spring to mind in chronological order. But there have been many others. Do you ever get feedback from listeners? And is there any feedback that sticks out? Yeah, yeah, I've got some feedback. Um, 
but not as as voluminous. I mean, there's, there is some comments you get. Yeah. Um, mostly positive most of the time. Earlier on, there were some technical issues. I had some recording technical issues that still kick myself about. And I can't fix them because it's distortion. You can't fix distortion and sound, everyone. Yeah. One of them said that, you know, by repeated phraseology or making repeated reference to the same thing... Yeah, yeah. Uh, is, ...is a problem. But I always counter that by saying I normally do it in context. Yeah. Because, yes, the listener's already heard it before, but this is in the context of what we're talking about. And I'm going to be using that that crutch, it's not really a crutch, but a yeah, tool yeah. that I often use, that is now well-worn, it's actually moulded into my hand. <laughs> We've all got that one. Well, it's, it's just, and I just will pull it out and go... Right, I'm now going to use my wow, my World of Warcraft reference yeah, yeah. now. I'm now going to use my Skyrim reference now. And I, kept, I try to catch myself going, no, don't, don't. Just do something else. Oh, I know. Slay the Spire. No, use that again? Oh, great. <laughs> I, I have to say, I quite... I fully admit I haven't listened to all 380-odd. No. Um, <laughs> But I've listened to enough that I've heard the repeated phrases. I quite like it for twofold, really. One is that it feels like a shorthand. Yeah. So as soon as you mention Skyrim, I go, oh, okay, and I, I know what he means about this yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's without having to re-explain over and over again. And also, the there is an element of when you listen to any comedy show, you see any series, um, the things that are repeated give you a sense of comfort and almost ownership from a listener point of view of you your not your in it's not a clique but you go ah oh, yes it's that again i i remember that and whenever you get repeated repeated phrases or repeated situations and i think that's one of the strengths of the the first five questions which i'm going to get to um is that you go i feel comfortable with this i know where i am it's not a one off that i'm listening to it's part of a uh, a continuum. So I actually, I mean, from a personal point of view, I quite like that. But it's quite I, interesting, yeah, um, as, as you say that. You know, it is a point of comfort, and I know you can't see this, listeners, but when this question was put to me, I crossed my arms <laughs> to say, oh, I'm going to have to defend myself now. Yeah. Uh, but that, that, that feedback has always like, bothered me. I realised I shouldn't let it. But just to sign off on the feedback, yeah. I also get feedback from guests and prior guests. So what's the, what's that like? Um, one of the things I do is, I mean, I'm going to talk about this in a roundabout way. Maybe we've got this later on. But at the end of the show, I do say, okay, and if you notice, the last thing you hear is not me. It's the guest saying thank you. Yeah. Every time. They're yeah. important. They're the important people. Yeah, absolutely. It's not me. Yeah. I'm never the last, but very, very rarely I'm not the last person to say anything. I try not to make it that way. Um, and then after that, we, we, you know, it doesn't, we don't hang up. It doesn't hang yeah. up. It happened once. <laughs> that happened once. But you generally have a debrief. Generally or a... have a debrief. Yeah. And I asked them, did they enjoy that? And they said, oh, yeah, it's great. And we'll think, and it's like, one of the things they always say is like, I wasn't, those questions, they're not like, we don't, I love talking about that stuff. Why doesn't anyone? Why doesn't, yeah, exactly. Why doesn't anyone ask us this? Absolutely. Why, why do we have to talk about other things? So, and my reaction is, what, what else can you ask you? I can't yeah, understand yeah, yeah. <laughs> what they ask, others ask, but I don't know what it is. But And then one, one, one guest said, 
Are, are you a consultant? <laughs> <laughs> can, can you come in? Uh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, said, he said he'd jest, but he said, have you considered consultancy? Um, and I said, no, uh, but it felt like a design team meeting, things like that, but yeah. not in the same constraints. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's no whiteboard and there's no one sort of like sort of throwing out ideas and stuff. But it was very much, they appreciate that it's a post-mortem experience. Yeah. Typically. And... Uh, yeah, that's 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 something that. Um, uh, so the feedback from them is usually very very positive. In fact, what I love a lot is after the show's published. It happened this week, and I had a, an Australian developer who knew Kane and Rinse. Yeah. Before I even reached out to him. Oh, okay, so, cool. So oh, yeah, okay, of course, yeah, I've listened to for years. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so um, and um, that was submerged hidden depths and uh, uppercut games. Yep. And uh, he, uh, Ed, he's a great guest. I had to record at 4am my time because they're Australian. <laughs> and I always, anyway, um, point being, he, I mentioned it in Twitter, I'd say, here's the show. And I always copy them in to make sure that they know. Yep, that it's, it's come out. And yep. they, nine times out of ten, go, thanks for yeah. being, let me on the show. That was great. And they just share that. And then they've got a whole plethora of all their contacts. And it's just like yeah. it spreads out. It spread. And you just got to recognise that. You're not in this little bubble. So many people are going to listen to this. Absolutely. And um, so the feedback I get from guests typically is very positive to the point where they do want to come back. Yeah. I was going to say, you've had repeat. I have. Yeah. Which I think says more. It's the same going to a restaurant. Yeah, it's it's not the one-off customers who come in for curiosity. It's the yeah. ones that come back it's and go. No, I, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's the. Uh, no, I, I think that's a great thing. Um, we talked about ego earlier. Yeah. Um, it really comes across that you enjoy talking to your developers. Yeah. And that you've got a certain amount of intellectual curiosity on what's happening behind the scenes. Um. You've got an Apple rating of 5.0 in Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Does that mean anything to you? Or actually, is it more about what you get out of it is the the, the enjoyment of the podcast itself? Okay. I spend not an all amount of time doing this. However, my time has been optimised over the years to the point where it doesn't become too intrusive. We'll be very careful because, as you explained in the first half of the show, I do have a rather intense day job. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so I have to balance that with everything else. So I don't do it out of a sense of um, personal gain. I really don't. Yeah. The success and, and, and the, the, the nominations of awards of the, the, the show's got over the years has been fantastic and really rewarding in, its, in of itself. But I think... I do it because I just want to share this knowledge with people, really. Yeah. So it's it, just it a, makes the industry better. Yeah. makes yeah. you know, And also, it, it draws more people in. Because if you know the motivations of the creators, that, and then you find you get more. Absolutely. You know, I recorded an episode of, this, of Cane and Rinse last night, with, and it was on Jeff Minter. Jeff Minto is 60-ish year, and uh, he's, oh been making, you know, <laughs> he's been making games for a very long time, and we just celebrated his work. Yeah. And 
that for me is why why we do it is actually recognize the creators of these yeah. things and celebrate their works and uh, that's really where it's coming from it's an act of altruism i'm not i have no pretense that i would earn a living doing this we are a fairly successful structural yeah. engineer <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> i think you're fine on that side yeah Brilliant. That's that's given us a, a great um, a great overview of the, uh, the history and development of it. Yeah. I want to flex now and actually start. You've already answered uh, some of these, but actually start looking at the process itself. Uh-huh. Can you walk us through the process of creating a typical episode? And presumably, does it start with the game selection in the first place? No, um, it's not like that at all. It's, I can do from birth to, to execution. So the way it works is uh, I get alerted by a title or a game by the vast, the, the vast array of PR people that I have contact with throughout the video game industry across the planet, honestly. And they will just send me emails going, look at this. <laughs> look at this. 
And it is, many times they're just circulars, and sometimes actually they'll point me and say, Chris, we need, you need these people on your show. Yeah. It'd be great. And I'm not going to name all the PR companies, because that'd be wrong again. No, no. <laughs> but that's how it starts. Yeah, yeah. Because that's how you can't, you know, there's some, some occasions I'll reach out and go, oh, this game's awesome, I'm going to try and get him on the show. And sometimes yeah. that, that comes to nothing. Yeah. And that's fine, but sometimes it doesn't. So really, the discovery yeah. is both being pushed yeah, yeah. and pulled. Uh, but there's an element of discovery. Now, that is a critical moment, because then that really then approaching the person and the protocols involved are very, very strict. Is Some, it strict from an industry point of view or yes. strict for you from a decision point of view? No, it's the industry. There's okay. a series of protocols that one must observe. Okay. Um, if you don't, then the, the message that there's being managed yeah. is, the, is, is distorted yeah. and can be a problem. So what you have to do is you have to go through typically a PR or marketing department of some sort in the first instance, not the developer themselves, yeah. typically. Yeah. There's exceptions, again. The yeah, yeah. Always, always exceptions. So we'll we'll go general. through, and I will write an email, and this email has a structure. I fully admit that. Yeah, yeah. It does have a structure. It will say, thanks for letting me know about this. And then, this is really yeah. important. I will then describe my immediate reaction to what they're showing in a two or three sentences. Just saying, this looks great, it reminds me of this and this and this. Yeah. Just showing that I have not only acknowledged it, but absorbed the media they've given to me. Absolutely. And, and read it and spent effort. People like to see people spending effort and demonstrating that. This is effectively the active listening yeah. that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Uh, albeit within, I'm going to go and look at the game and reflect on it. Yeah, reflect, it's, 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 is this something that interests me? Yeah, it's the listening to, you've, you've showed that you've taken in what they're showing you, yeah. not just, oh, and I'll fire off an email. That's right. Yeah. But the emails will be very carefully constructed. And then I will describe, like, can we get them on the show? Yeah. If I don't know the PR very well, I'll then describe what the show is. And then I'll say, you know, we will we'll organise a recording slot. When can we? And then once... Once I get a feedback loop, typically feedback loop is, thanks, Chris, we'll get back to you, we'll contact the developer, see if thing. And then I'll offer them five dates, five recording dates. Okay. Because that's a good sort of yeah, selection yeah. of when they we can record. So just one of these, yeah. pick one, then we'll send the invite and we'll close it out. And once I've got them, yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the key. It's just yeah. getting, get, securing the interview is the hardest part. And I never, never, never do boilerplate emails or anything like that to in that exchange. Yeah, that yeah. just will not work. Yeah, yeah. It has to be unique every time. Yeah. Because it has to be guided to the audience. Right. What that email is. Yeah. If it's someone already known for years, I'll go, can we get on a show? Like, just yeah, yeah. one sentence. Yeah. Like, it's great. Can we get on a show? So none of that would apply. So yeah. this is great. Can we, yeah. Sorry, Chris. I should have done that. Yeah. And that's, so it, so that's the first thing. And then, a recording occurs, and there's what the listener isn't aware of is the I do have a virtual green room, and it does exist. We call it the virtual green room, and that they settle down and we have a chat before we start recording. You have referred to the virtual green room quite often on the show, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, we often have you'll say we discussed this, we discussed this in the virtual green room, in, in the virtual green room, and um, I have a almost a script, but it's not written down. Yeah. yeah. But there's a whole things the series I tell them to ease them. 
to make sure they understand. And this is even before the show has started. Mm, yeah. yeah, no one hears this. Yeah. And I'm happy to talk about it. There's nothing controversial or weird. Yeah. But I say things like, well, the show's split into two halves. Yeah. Just like a beautiful game, things like this. I say like, then I say I'm not much of a football fan, but anyway, and I'll make a joke like I support Crystal Palace. Clearly, I know nothing about football. And then the, they're then, doing all right this year. Yeah, no, no, despite everything. Um, but then there's that, and then I sort of talk about um, one thing I love to talk about them with, aside from the structure of the show, because that's mechanics. Yeah, yeah. It's who they're talking to. Oh, okay. So, what's your audience? Yeah. And this came about way early in the years. Like, Chris, you need to tell the guest who they're talking to. They don't yeah, know. Yeah, absolutely. And I said, well, who is it? And then I realised who it was because the feedback. And the, it's two groups, again, like the show. It's symbiosis. There's two aspects. There's one group are developers. Fellow developers or would-be developers listen to the show. Absolutely. Students listen to the show. Veterans listen to the yeah, show. And anyone who's wanting to know what everyone else in the industry is doing. Yes. and. Be drawn yeah. from that, yeah. yeah, yeah, moth to a flame and all that. Uh, then the other group are Kane and Rids. Who listen to Kane and Rids? It's educated games, isn't it? People yeah. know what a first person action adventure is, <laughs> who know about what a, you know the BFD syndrome is, and they, they know these their phrases, they, yeah, they yeah. know what. And I joke with them, you're, you're speaking their language, yes. Yeah. Basically, I say you're, you're amongst friends, yeah, you're not talking to your great aunt. Yeah. It's like, are you still doing that game stuff? <laughs> you're not. You're. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. You can use your shorthands on the show yes. because everyone will understand. Everyone will understand. They'll what either be in the industry or they'll be the yeah. the educated gamers. You can say, "Oh, it's kind of like a Souls game." They will know what that means. Absolutely. And that that really, you know, and I tell them that from the outset, and you can see when they're on camera yeah. that they slightly sort of like take a bit of a breath and go, "Oh, oh, oh okay." Yeah. And that makes life a lot easier. So that's one of the many tricks. I've so some of the rapport with. building has actually already happened in the green room yes. before you even get to questions one to five. Yeah. 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 So that's really important to get, got to get them, you know, centred. And I actually count myself. That's the last thing I do before we start recording. So I count myself in. Don't have to. Yeah. But it, it, it gives you a... But it, it gives me the three pips of the editing. But what it really does is allow the guests to centre themselves. Yeah. Because they, oh. they can feel there's a, a definite start. There's a definite start now. Yeah. How do you choose the? So you said there's there's a whole load of games come in. Yeah. How do you choose which of those you want to approach? If I feel that it's interesting, and I think the audience would actually get something from it. How do you need to play the game? Well, yes. So, do you play ten games and select? three of them that you find interesting no 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 i i will get a a press release about it and then i'll um look at preview videos might get a preview code right okay yep and then i'll then make a, a selection mm-hmm. based on that based on my experience it's not i don't take a raft of games and say oh i'm going to interview it doesn't work that way no. it's not as open as that yeah um it will be too exhaustive and also too time consuming to do that yeah oh for sure so well that's we, that was one of, that was one of my questions yeah. is where do you where would you even find the time to do that exactly it's absurd okay. so what i tend to do is i try to I get contacts and then I will play the game once the uh, interview is secured, typically. Yeah. Which is a little bit dangerous, but I will get enough information. Because sometimes I'm getting approached about games that aren't released yet and you can't yeah, play yeah. the games I, anyway. No, absolutely. But because the point is, the way I've married this sort of like show to the 
development of the game is that it's recorded just before or soon after its release. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's the only time the developer's willing to really talk about it. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's effectively a PR thing. As much yeah. as you're, you're wanting to know up behind the scenes, it's a PR thing for them. Completely. Yeah. So why would they talk about it two years hence? Yeah, it yeah. doesn't make any sense, unless it's some special occasion yeah, yeah. typically they won't want to do that they're already no. working on their next thing yeah their head their head isn't going to be in that headspace anyway no, 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 as, no. as to what they've just gone through for the yeah. last two or three two years three years you know, it's bug fixing it's just not not, not, not it's just not interesting so no um it's really a case of filtering what previews are coming in and seeing which of those are interesting and whether it actually is worthy of our attention or the audience's attention. I just have an inbuilt filter for it, really. I guess that that was probably the bit that I'm trying to poke, is the... I love the fact that you obviously love certain aspects of the game that you're talking to them about. Yeah. So when you get onto the second half of the show, you're going, oh, that that bit where, where this did this and this character wasn't actually part of this and it was this. Yeah. Or the landscape is... a. A, uh, a character in its own right, yes. or I love the way that the zoom in actually worked over here. Yeah, and it's marrying that with your just your experience of forty years of stuff. So you're comparing it to other games and things. But there's there's every single episode. It feels as though it's almost every single episode. It feels as though this is your most favourite game ever, <laughs> but not in a a superficial sycophantic way. In a literal look, I'm. I can tell you exactly the bits of this game that I thought were amazingly done compared to other games, and why. So, I one of my questions was, how long do you play these games for? Because it always feels as though you've immersed yourself in it for months, and this is the. No, is, no, is no, it, no. It, I, I definitely have not immersed my games <laughs> into them for months. Far from it. Um, is this just years of experience? Yes, that you know yes, exactly yes. what. Almost what speaks to you within a game. Yeah, it's just teasing out and realising that here's the moving parts of the game. Here's how that interacts with that. I can see why they're trying to draw that aspect out at the expense of something else. We have to ask why and how. Uh, We know what, because the game's there. But we don't know how and why. So that's really where that's coming from. But just to be clear, the questions I come up with, that's whittled down from about 12. Right. And some of them emerged from the questions I originally wrote. A few more on process. I wondered whether there's a thing they often say about jokes, is that once a joke has been explained, it's not funny. I wondered if there's an element uh, of that within gaming, that if you start to look at the game from a structural process point of view, that that suspension of disbelief you just talked about is somehow removed? Yeah, okay, so that's a very important point. There's not many commentators and reviewers and writers in video game creation uh, and video games, like commentators, mediums, are constantly at battle with that to make sure that they don't deconstruct what they're absorbing so much to the point where they cease to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that is a real risk. Probably one of the triggers at which point I will stop doing what I do. So, uh, no, I don't think I've reached that point yet where I'm sort of thinking I've deconstructed this medium to the point where I no longer enjoy it. There are many who have and have walked away. I was going to say, I guess that's the the slippery slope. Yes. You You then have to make a choice. Yeah. What do you want to do? Do you want to stay in this industry? If you do, what do you want to do within it? Yeah. Many journalists go off to do either go into PR or they go into to consultancy, yeah. that kind of thing. 
to do that, to be yeah. actively part of the creation process rather than the commentary. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, that That's why I said earlier on, the end will come when I make cross the Rubicon. You get that exactly, yeah. when, you, when you reach that point. Yeah. This is one of my favourite questions. One of the strengths of the show... This is, you can tell I've made notes. Yeah. One of the strengths of the show is that the first five questions are always the same. Yes. So listeners can... Re- I'm going to try and read this in a better voice. <laughs> one, one of the strengths of the show is that the first five questions are always the same. So that listeners, uh, at least from my my listening of it, is that I can compare different developers because how how they even choose to answer them, let alone what the answers actually are, um, I think reveals an awful lot and keeps it fresh. Um I went all the way back to episode one in my research, um, which I have to say I'd never listened to before. <laughs> no. Um, and it's exactly the same. Uh, you have the same five questions. And it's a brilliant format. So my question... <laughs> question about questions. This is great. Is, is the fact that you absolutely nailed it for the first episode and it's lasted for so long pure genius... Or is it inherently lazy that the format hasn't changed? No, I'm not, <laughs> I won't accept that. I won't accept laziness on my part. From what you said earlier, actually, a bunch of thought had gone in before that first episode in what you were going to do. Yes. So you'd, you'd already partly answered my question. I, 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 the, 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 I still maintain, I use the words, the sausage factory was designed. Yeah. Okay, now again, I'm feeding in from my other job, but it's been designed in such a way in many aspects. First of all, to make sure that the guests are relaxed and they can talk about yeah. themselves, etc. We've all covered that. Second aspect, which we haven't spoken about enough, really, is the audience, respecting the audience and their time yeah. and how they absorb this, which is why it's in two halves. I'm a commuter. Yep. I like the fact that I can have a show that's going to be finished within a certain amount of time and it's also split in two halves, therefore I can listen to it in one branch one of on my the way travel <laughs> and another one on the way out, you see? That's awesome. That's why it's designed that way, to make sure that... And also there's a reason there's a gap of music halfway through is because you don't want to hear two people, or maybe minimum two people, droning on for a full hour. Many yeah. people do, yeah. but the nature of the show doesn't really lend itself to that because... It don't, you can't flow from one the two the two subject overall subject matters are so totally different you can't just flow one to the other it's ridiculous how much work did you do on setting up that structure in the first place I can't really remember um, I mean some of it must have been born out of your work on things like um, Super Happy Fun Time Show yeah I think in so in the sense that you already had a feel for the fact that you would want to even um, have your guests relaxed at the beginning I think it was more of an understanding of what I love to hear developers talking about, my favourite question is actually the last question. In the, it's not the media, not the middle one, the yeah. influence one. It's the last one. It's, what are they playing? Yeah. <laughs> because it means that they haven't abandoned it entirely. They're still yes. invested in it as a... As an industry? As, in, as, as a medium. As a medium. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, yeah. They're still enjoying they, it. They, they, what are they enjoying doing? Were they, yeah. what, what others, what things are, are they listening... It's like asking a musician, what are they listening to? Exactly. 
or a writer, what have they read recently? Because it doesn't even need to be, what are your influences no, in no, this? No. It's, it's the literal, what are you enjoying? What, be, what do you think is good I, out there? We always joke, like, oh, is, it, is it FIFA? Come on, come on. Yeah. That's my joke, my standard joke. Yeah, yeah. I think it had, did happen once. And actually, it was. It, it, it is, is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. They've made some weird puzzle game and stuff. Like, okay, it's nothing to do with FIFA. But, um, yeah, it's just, um, I don't, it, it, it's premeditated. But I really wanted to understand that they're not living in a bubble and then to, to them demonstrate it that yeah. they're not living in this enclosure. And sometimes they're working so hard. Like, I haven't had a chance to play here recently. Then I'll sort of give them a get out and go, what do you plan to play them? Yeah, absolutely. And that helps because that, you know, so... Um, I think you're right. It, it humanises them within the industry to a yeah, certain extent. It means that they relate to others. Yeah. That they're not so egotistical that they don't recognise the effort and rewards of others. Did... Did the first five questions always have that order when you were yes. creating it? Yeah. It was built around the, the final punchline, which is the fifth question, believe yeah. it or not. You know, the first one is weird. Because it's like, what do you do? What? And then it's like, who are you? What do you do? Who are you? Have a very day. Yeah. <laughs> Justify yourself. I, I quite... I quite it, it does make them feel uncomfortable at the beginning. It does. Um, but on the other hand, you get some that come on and are just very comfortable in, I'm so-and-so and I'm the CEO yeah, of yeah, so-and-so yeah, yeah. or the that's lead fine. developer. Yeah, or... That's fine, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. But no, it's deliberate because I want yeah. the contrast between by the time we get to the end of the first half, which is why I say to them, well done, you made it. Yeah, exactly. See? Wasn't up, was it? See what I mean? I know I can relate yeah. to their pain. Because like, yeah, I yeah. know this is going to be awkward, isn't it? Because you don't want to talk about yourself. Although you really do because you just want to apologise all the time because you're human. Has the structure changed? I mean, the first five questions are still the same. Has the you, you spoke already to a couple of changes that you made around two hundred or two hundred one for you recording your intro, recording your intro after yeah. and things like that. Are there any other structural changes? That- yeah, there was a major structural change inspired by a very good commentator, Keza McDonald. She's a really extraordinary writer, um, and I've got a lot of respect for her. And um, she wrote this wonderful quip, a bit of a vice. And she's right. Um, and I tell this to developers as well. Never use the phrase the game. Yeah. Ever. Just say the name of the game. Keep saying it over and over and over again to the point where the listener's going, oh, come on, I know what it's called. <laughs> because many other podcasters don't do this. They mumble it. And then they'll spend half an hour talking about what they played, and you don't—they don't mention the name at all again. Yeah. Like, I've wanted to play guessing games to find yeah. out what you're talking about. So I always say, you know, in such and such, this happens. In such and such, this, you can construct sentences very easily without the word or the phrase of the game. Yeah, very easy. And that's a, that was a major structural. Change. So from now on. For the rest of this, I should be saying rather than your podcast, yeah, just, or that I, I should say, say the sausage factory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I will. I will endeavour to. Uh... Because uh, I'm not sure where I've got this from. I may be wrong, but people do not retain knowledge until they're told at least eight times or something yeah. like that. Uh, I think it depends on the individual and the context and how they're absorbing the information. But typically, it's eight times. Yeah. So that's why I do it. Just keep saying it over and over. Eventually, by the end, they'll just go, "Okay, fine." But it doesn't matter. I think well, that's really insightful. And that was, that. That, that was a major change that uh, my notes will make sure that uh, that's, that's included. Because my, my questions are written, and I read them sometimes, but some, most of the time I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. How much 
how much are you looking at your notes or are your notes by this stage because you've been doing it so long you know the sorts of things that you're going to ask in the way that you're going to ask it no i can't do that they'll be a disservice to the guest yeah they are not um formulaic questions otherwise they they are at the beginning but that's there's a reason for that yeah um the big the second half no i'm constantly looking at because unfortunately or fortunately (laughs) i have to change them (laughs) mid mid show because i'll they'll They'll be trying to talk about a thing like, oh, they've answered bloody question four yeah, already. Yeah. Damn it. So then I have to change it on the fly. Ironically, I'm sitting here thinking exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly that. Thank you, Chris. It's all right. You're welcome. So it's, it, it is because um, we, we as listeners only hear the finished product. Yeah. Um, and it sounds especially these days, I mean, probably for more or less from day one, to be honest, but especially over say, the last five years. It feels very smooth. It's hard to imagine that you're doing the the swan thing of it's gliding along, but under the surface, mm. your your legs kicking. It doesn't feel like you have notes to us. It doesn't feel as though you're you're jigging things around on the fly, right? Um, right. Which is huge testament to thank you uh, to what you're actually doing because yeah. I would never even have thought that. I mean, there's a conscious effort about the level of editing. People do challenge me about that. How much editing do I do? Honestly, not a lot. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. I could go in and get rid of all the ums, all the pauses, everything. Could do that. Spend two or three hours just plucking away. Yeah. Could do it. But what would that do? Yeah. Well, that would degenerate into a news bulletin interview. We've all seen those. Indeed. This is a conversation. I'm recording a conversation. I was thinking on the way here, actually, because I had one of the uh, fairly recent ones um, uh, on in the car. Yeah. One of the... One of the things that I think that whenever I listen to the show is it feels like I'm in the room with you guys. It feels like you're chatting in a living room and you're chatting to each other and it is just a really enjoyable conversation between the two of you and I get to listen in on it. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a game review, uh, as in someone just saying what the thing is. It doesn't feel... um, like a, a serious interview. And some of that, I mean, we've already spoken towards it, but the, the rapport building that you have, some of which is when they mention a game and you say, oh, it's like this, or I'm playing this one, or, oh, yeah, there was, there was that one that so-and-so uh, developed. And you can feel in their voice and their tone, they light up and they are now just speaking to you as a, as a fellow enthusiast and then you just happen to ask some really cool questions yeah, um, yeah. That, that start unpeeling things. Because the structure and the setup of the show gives me that time beforehand with them to ease them into it. Yeah. In many other instances and in, in scenarios they find themselves in, they don't have that. The interviewer doesn't have that chance no. to talk to them beforehand to get a... They don't have to, that. To build the rapport. Build the rapport. They yeah. can't do it because they've, they've got a you know, a conveyor belt of guests to go through and they just sort of dump them in front of you and go, who are you? Oh, you've made this thing. Okay, so, I'm tell going to tell us about your game. Tell us about your game then. What's, come on, speak. Yeah, the audience, entertain. You know, and it, I don't do that. Don't do that. Um, what's the perfect length of a podcast and how much editing do you do around the length? You've already said that you don't really do much editing and I think that's a good thing because it does come across... Well, it feels as though you've not done any editing at all and it's just the two of you chatting. Yeah. Um, what's the ideal length for you? An hour. Yeah. I am actually watching the clock throughout the whole interview. Not this one. 
but this typically I'm constantly looking down and there is a little metronome in my brain that yeah. I don't I can't hear it but every now and again I go we should hit 40 minutes now oh 35 yeah. we can drag this out of it and uh, that's just how it works yeah. and sometimes we go a little bit over sometimes we go a little bit under moving on probably to the uh, the last couple of areas okay. uh, that I wanted to um, pick your brains about yeah um, some of this you've spoken to already but technique uh-huh. within the show um We've already mentioned that, in my opinion, you're great at rapport building and that ease of which you put your guests so that they just feel like they're chatting to a right. uh, a fellow enthusiast uh, within the industry, amongst mm. other things. To start with, from that point of view, what do you think makes a good episode? One that has a guest that properly engages with the questions. And answers them with some reasonable amount of verbosity. That's the right word. Some detail that's actually meaningful and not surface. Yeah. Actually gets to the mechanics and actually answers the question with some authority. Yeah. All of those things. And sometimes I get guests that don't do that and I have to tease it out of them more. I was going to say, do you see that as your role within the dynamic to create what you think makes a good episode? I am very anxious when I'm speaking too much in the show. Yeah. If I'm, if my voice is there to, is more than, and I can see that by the editing, <laughs> if it's there more than the guest, then there's something wrong. And unfortunately, there's been some episodes like that, typically with guests who are somewhat timid and shy and not really wanting to divulge too much. Yeah. And um, that's fine, but it does make I then have to spend more time being a facilitator of this conversation. Yeah. Of trying to I'm trying to get information out of them. I'm trying to listen to them and respond to their, what they're saying. And if they come up with some sort of shortcut sentence that doesn't really go into the level of detail I want them to, I'll then ask the question again, but in a completely different way. Absolutely. Uh, because that's how you do that's it. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Now, okay, they haven't really answered that. Let's try it again. Maybe we'll answer I'll come it. in from a different... I'll come in from a different approach and then, yeah. uh, then they'll finally understand. But uh, yeah, I think that's really my job is to facilitate the act of the guest... And I'm just there to make sure of doing two things. The show ends. <laughs> <laughs> unlike this one. Yeah, unlike this one. And uh, also, the, the, the suitable amount of information is divulged about what we're talking about. Yeah. I love that you're always so encouraging of your guests and their answers. So sometimes you give um, verbal nods. You'll have, mm-hmm, yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah. But more often than not, every single episode, there'll be, oh, I loved the way that you, you answered the first part of that. That was, that was really good. Or, oh, that was fascinating. I, you know, what you did, I just want to say great, well done to the developers for, you know, nailing that bit of the game. Yeah. You're, but it feels very natural um, enthusiasm okay. and praise. Is that something you work on or is that just how you are naturally responding? Well, had you never noticed? No, I know, no. Um, it's not something I do artificially. Mm-hmm. It's not something I do out of a sense of, well, this is a, this is like a, uh, this is a, something I have to do mechanically. Yeah. This comes from a place of empathy. Okay. Because 
the reason I say empathy is because it's undervalued as as a as a thing, and unfortunately, and really the act of making a game is very very hard, very hard. So any morsel of praise that someone can give about any aspect of the thing they've created, the creator will hang on to like you would not believe. <laughs> They will, they will anchor themselves around that. They will tr- cherish they will cherish that. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not to the point of psychosis, but they no, will but... cherish it and go. I remember when that person said that. Uh, you know, during the, when they're having a down day, when they're yeah. feeling off, and they go, "Well, what's the point in it all?" And then they remember that someone said to them that they did a thing that was great. Yeah. And I like to think I don't go too enthusiastic on the basis on what seeming little effort was put into what they just described. Oh, no, it's did. The, no, no, I, th- I think it's always genuine. That's, that's yeah. the nice thing. But, you know, it's, again, going back to, like, well done, you made it for the first half. Yeah. You know, it's just little things. Yeah. And video games have been doing it for years now. We're actually giving you rewards. Oh, giving you the rewards as you... But as yeah. you go along, like, here's your little trophy. Yeah, well yeah. done. And many people, like, actually, as many actually turn those off because, like, oh, it's just so annoying. <laughs> but don't treat me like a child. Yeah. But uh, my reaction is playing a video game. Anyway, um, uh, so, no, it comes from a place of empathy and really understanding that the only way to actually reach out to people is just put yourself in their shoes yeah. and realise that there's been a lot of effort and time and worry and anxiety creating this thing Let's give them some credit for pity's sake. Yeah, absolutely. As I say, it comes across very honestly and naturally. Mm. But, um, but I, I love I love when you do it. It's, uh, it's really good. Um, the industry is quite litigious. Um, what considerations? Well, as much as the other one I work in, but yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> what? Well, maybe that makes it easier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is bad, but nowhere near yeah. as bad. As what, this is bad. What I do the rest yeah, of the time. No idea. Um, what considerations do you need to make around oh, that? Yeah, this is a really good question. That's a really good question. I don't really have... Um, very, very rarely do I get stung by embargoes. This <laughs> is a thing that exists in the video game industry where they would tell a thing, oh, you're not allowed to talk about this thing until this and such and such. Yeah. I completely ignore those because my show is a post-mortem. Yeah, well, Exactly. It happens after that, so I don't really acknowledge those. I don't. However, if I'm playing a game that I can't share the details about, I will not do that. I will not talk about it. I'd be very careful and not say I'm, t- I'm reviewing or previewing this game. It's something I'm very careful about. So I tend not to really advertise. One thing I don't really like to advertise is who my guests are because I'm recording in advance. In advance, yeah, and yeah. that can be a problem. Yeah. So, but sometimes if it depends on the game, or you know, if it's just come out anyway, then it's fine. I'll talk about. Oh yes, I've interviewed these people. Um, but the other, the biggest one that I have fallen foul of, I've now changed again. I didn't mention this in the earlier question. The structural change is relatively recent one, so I should have said it. Damn it! But it's so subtle that people might not have noticed it. But in the, historically, I would do a silly. Well, reflection is a silly thing. I will go into the press release in the press kit and go, "What platforms is this game coming out on?" Yeah. Because then the audience know where to find it and go. Okay. Yeah. I would read those out. Yeah. Naively. <laughs> You're not telling me that they were and, su- subject to change. You know, my subject to change is like, well, there's a promise that that game is going to come out yeah, on that yeah. platform, but we haven't announced it yet. So, And uh, fortunately, there's been one incident where I did actually say, oh, it's coming out on this, and then it's like, 
No. No. <laughs> Why did you say that? <laughs> and then the PR would then bumble in and go, can't say that, Chris. <laughs> so then I'd have to edit it afterwards, which has never works, and then try no. to sort of like get rid of that. So now, so now I go, right. Last question. No, 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 no. Oh. I then say, right at the end, I say, okay, and uh, dear guest, tell us what this is coming out on. So if they say it, get it wrong, not me. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd, I'd noticed that the guests do say it, yeah. but I don't think I'd ever noticed that the guests hadn't said it, probably no. just because I'm more focused no. on no. what what the recent podcasts no. are rather than So previous. I'll say, no, you say it. Yeah. If you were to say something silly, then it's on you. And even getting them to clarify, because you're a, uh, recording on a Mac, Yeah. Um, if they say PC, you'll often... Yeah, yeah well, I say, oh, it's on Steam, so you what what's it run on? Which one? Oh, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I've got Mac users, they want to know if it runs on their Mac. Absolutely. So, saying because I'm late, because I've got a Mac laptop. I don't use it for anything, but... But anyway, point yeah, being, yeah. yeah. Exactly, you you know that they I need to relate. be more specific. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, how do you think your interview style has changed over the eight-plus years? Because you've got an awful lot of uh, podcasts on. I'd like to think I'm, it's I'm, improved for I'm, a start. Let's go there. <laughs> but uh, what, how has it improved? Uh, my listening skills have improved a lot. Actually listening to people, responding to what they're saying. Uh, pacing, that's really improved. Knowing when we've flogged a, sen- a sentence to death and we can move on. Yeah. Um, Constructing the questions, that's become a bit of a, you know, I, I that's become a, a skill that I now have, that I can take that medium and deconstruct it relatively quickly and then yeah. latch on to the important components and then rebuild based around the questions I'm asking. Right, yeah. So that I'm quite proud of, to actually been experiencing the game sitting down and settling in and going, okay, this is what it is. So, yeah, I've uh, definitely got better at that. Editing. And uh, music choice. Apparently, <laughs> it's just clinky pocky music. <laughs> Chris, this has been an absolutely uh, amazing experience from my side, <laughs> uh, being able to ask all the questions that I have in my head yeah. whenever I'm listening to shows. I hope that your your regular listeners uh, have felt the same, as though we've got to know you a bit more, mm. as though we've managed to peel off the outer layer of the sausage, as it were. Yeah. And... Uh, and actually, all over the place, <laughs> and actually have a bit more of a an understanding of exactly what goes in from a process and from a technique point of view with the sausage factory. Yeah, we wish you all the best for the the coming years, and uh, maybe we'll see an eight hundred episode. But um, <laughs> it, it might not be there if you actually um, finally get around to writing your game. Yeah, yeah, I'll, <laughs> uh, I'll let everyone know. Which we will all look forward to coming back and interviewing you for yeah. <laughs> with, a, with a different host. A different host. <laughs> in a, in your, or you could do it yourself. You yeah, could, yeah, yeah, monologue it. Yeah, yeah. That'll, that'll, be, that'll the, be great. The two Chris's. I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd love to listen to that. Yeah. All Bond villain-like. <laughs> oh, Before okay. I kill you, Absolutely. let's go and explain how I make this game. <laughs> well, Mike Myers has managed to do it. So yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's true, yeah. We'll get you with different voices. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early, extended, and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, 
YouTube and at our website, canorince.com. <laughs>